Neighborhood Church. To find out more about who we are, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. Well, today we kick off Advent, and I totally forgot to tell you something. Uh, Peter, buckle up, right? For the first time in two years, maybe two and a half years, I got the Wordle in one try today. You're welcome. No applause. No applause. No applause. I am human like everyone else, all right? Um, <laughs> um, that's not, we're talking about Advent, and... Um, uh, I really appreciate Advent um, f- for multiple reasons, but Advent is one of those things. Like I, I'm in the the Christian Christian stream, and it's easy to think as like neighborhood church of like we're just like this really dope church, and you know we're really cool, and you know whatever else is happening outside of us, we're happy for them. But we belong to something so much bigger something so much wider. And I think it's really important that we recognize that because we might believe different things. We might come at the scripture or come at a value or come at some um, theological point of who God is differently, but we're still like somewhat connected. And there's some practices that we've been doing, the church has been doing for a long, long time, things like baptism, things like sacraments, things like reading the gospel. And um, another one of those is Advent. And, like, when I think about, like, how I think about awaiting the, the, the beauty and the majesty of Jesus, it's going to look different than someone who maybe is in Ethiopia, right? And the, the someone maybe in um, South Korea or someone from, like, the early, like, 500s in, uh, in Rome. The way we think about connecting to this mystical and the story of the Christ like, it really inspires me that we're doing something every year with a ton of other people in unison. And Advent comes from, in the, the, the book of Malachi, um, he tells this story of what's to come. The, the real biblical word and the word that's kind of triggering is a prophecy, right, uh, of what is to come, that there's this new kingdom, there's this new way of functioning as a human, a new way of connecting with humans, a new way of connecting what this thing we call God. And after, like, you know, writing that down and talking about it, and they're talking about it um, in the synagogues, and they're talking about it with their family, and they're singing songs, it's 400 years of saying, remember when Malachi said that? In that 400 years, until we, what we're reading today, um, Mary's song, there's people who are waiting. And they use the, the analogy of Advent of being um, waiting, like, in the dark, right? Obviously, because it's really dark out. Um, and w- traditionally, we're not a real church because we don't have Advent candles, but traditionally, in real churches, they'd have Advent candles that would light every Sunday as it would get brighter and brighter for, like, the, the story and the coming of Emmanuel, God with us. And the, the night is, I think, really, um, in, not important, but it's really moving because night is just a different kind of energy. Like, in your day, you can, like, run out, it's fun, but at night... It demands a different kind. Of, uh, you, you show up differently. It's quieter. You move slower. It's more reflective. 
But often we think of night and we think of fear, right? And we think of like the bad guys in a black cape and if there's going to be something bad happen, there's like a thunderstorm and it's night and it's dark and we're supposed to be scared. And why? Because like we're humans. And I don't know if you know this, but there's this thing. Jeff, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's called um, evolution, right? And we, we have evolved as people. And Homo sapiens, right, a long, long time ago, we had this, um, this knack of being able to tell fiction, right? It, like, kept us alive. Nikki, my partner, um, gave a message multiple weeks ago all about gossip and how gossip, like, helped us survive, survive as a species. This is where religion comes from. Right? We, can tell, we can collectively tell a story, and we can believe it to be true because it keeps people together. And so what would happen is they would tell the story of what happens in the night. There's like a serpent. There's a deity. There is you know, someone, something out there. So don't go out there. Stay close to the fire. Stay close to us, and that helps us stay alive. Because if you run in, in, in the night, you might like fall into a pit. You might get eaten by a bear. You might have, like, crazy Uncle Gary trying to sell you on Bitcoin again. Like, there's going to be something out there. I thought that would land a little better. <laughs> I won't lie. I practiced that one. Um, I know everyone online is just laughing so hard right now. Um, um, but we were, we, were, we were meant to be afraid of the dark because we needed to live. And I remember being a kid. This is so great. I remember being a kid, and I was at Lenny Wallace's house. And we were hanging out, and his neighbor, Jarl, Jarl came over, and he brought a shoebox this is going to make sense. I'll, I'll bring it together. He brought a shoebox. He opened it up. You don't know about this, Mom. Um, I was like seven or eight years old. And in the shoebox were all these rings with like uh, skulls and d- scary things. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I got these rings from a demon. The demon lives in my closet. And he hands me these rings. And I was a part of a church um, which um, would literally run around the church and yell at the devil, right? And, and then there would be people would, like, be shaking, and then people would, like, yell, yell at the demon, right? Like, oh, demon! And so I was afraid of demons. I'm in this basement looking at a box that a demon gave to my friend, and I was so afraid that a demon lived in my closet in the basement where my parents put me, Right? <laughs> That's where I slept. Everyone else got to sleep upstairs. There was heat upstairs. There was no heat downstairs. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm um, and I, I would turn the light off, and I would run like my life depended on it to get upstairs. And I can still, like, I can still, like, I don't feel, but I can still have the memory of feeling like their fingers are just on my ankles, right? And it made me think. If I was a kid and I really believed there was demons trying to grab my leg to pull me back down, I'd get upstairs, and I'd forget all of it. I guess it's like, oh, I'm good, right? If you really believe it, why wouldn't you go to anyone? There's demons trying to eat me downstairs. Help me. It was like, oh, I'm fine. If my brother went downstairs, the demons can have him. So um, I, I, was, I was so afraid of night. But if you can, like, put that aside, right? And, like, that's an evolutionary response. Um, some of it is still helpful. But if you can move into the night, like, fully awake, like being aware of the beauty that it has. Um, me and my, Nikki and I, my, our friends, um, Nick and Anna, we go in the winter, we do night hikes. Uh, we needed something that was like active and being outdoors, and so we just started doing night hikes, and it was so, it's so moving because it's just a different world. And so um, I would like to talk about night as Advent, and I'm not going to say anything I stumbled across a, um, a devotional for Advent, and there is a doctor, and her name is 
Reverend Dr. Kelly Brown, and she is a womanist theologian, which is um, uh, feminism usually can be in the academic world and wider world as well, um, really centered on white, uh, white women's uh, voices. And so um, some uh, black women decided to start something called womanist theology, which is a feminist theology focused on the black woman's experience. Um, and when I read it, I'm like, I don't have to do anything other than just read her work. I contacted her. To see, she is a, um, a pastor out in um, Seattle, and um, she said that we could read it publicly. So if you want to find out more, uh, again, her name is Reverend Dr. Kelly Brown, and I found this on Justice Unbound. It's so good. A word from Reverend Dr. Kelly Brown. It is dark and getting darker. Times are as challenging as they've ever been. As we wait and wait through Advent together, let us wrestle with the myths and metaphors that work to keep us locked in whiteness and away from the gifts buried in the luminous darkness. Keep awake. When God made the heavens and the earth, the light was not born as a correction to the darkness. The light was spoken into existence out of blackness, and there's no inherent evil attributed to the dark. The vast and nurturing embrace of blackness birthed the light. I contend that the dark is where God begins God's work with us and in us. It is but the inside of the chalice where the sacrament of communion with God occurs. In 1965, Dr. Howard Thurman wrote a book entitled The Luminous Darkness. A prolific writer, writer, mystic, theologian, and pastor, Dr. Thurman reframed the definition of darkness. In addition to his assertion that segregation as a result of the maintenance of white supremacy was sinful, he came to terms with the darkness of his own skin in the light of a society who vilified and dismissed him for his skin's hue. Thurman found beauty where many could not, as he did under the canopy of his favorite tree in the darkness of the night. His black skin was no trap, no burden, but a conduit to the welcome wisdom that God is also God in the dark. Black lives have always mattered. As we stand in the darkness of Advent, stand in the liminal space that is longing and waiting for the new thing that God in covenant has promised. We are called to welcome the darkness. This includes creating new myths of healing and wholeness that cannot admit blackness is beautiful. This Advent season asks questions of us. We are missing something when we spend our time longing for the light while missing the treasure in this darkness. Why do so many linger immobilized, counting down to the lighter days? Advent reminds us to value every state in which we find ourselves, especially as we stand waiting in the dark. We are in a time of history where the suffering is great, where it seems the sun is less radiant and the moon will not give us its light, a time where day by day the very stars are falling from heaven and the powers are shaken. And yet, in the journey of Advent, because of this darkness, the sleeping are awakening. Equity and wholeness are being required by any means necessary. Moments are pushed aside for movements, and the voices of the most vulnerable are rising. We are recovering our moral selves I declare this is a result of the transfor transforming creation of the dark that positions us to do what we are often unwilling to do in the light. The gift of living into the darkness is self-love and preparation, of truth-telling while breaking the false Im images of God as a poster child of white supremacy. So many are welcoming a new way of being. In the dark, folk are disarmed and cannot discern the kind of difference that leads to hate, vil vilification, and abuse. In the dark, no one's eyes can tell them who to profile and dismiss. And our senses become heightened. 
Together we reach out for hope and find strength with those others of us who dare to be in the dark night of our lives with purpose and vision. Let us watch and wait for God in the dark night. May we refuse to rush through this time, filling our lives with distraction and artificial light. Or we can use these long, dark nights to heal, to dream, to love, to imagine, to carve and create ourselves into a better likeness of who God created us to be. This Advent season, be reconciled to the gift of the luminous darkness. Blessed be. Man, I read that. Yeah, I read that and had all the emotions. The, the idea of how we search for artificial light, we're afraid of what we find, and how in the night we can't, we, we, the things we use to dismiss people, right, and like vilify people, and how we size up people in the night, all we have is this united love, right, to bring equity and bring love and justice. And that part in there about the, um, how uh, we're trying to bring um, equity in, in any means necessary, and then she write, um, and people are giving up moments for movements. I just, I love that. This is what Advent is, right? Advent is a space of where we can be in the darkness. We can be in the waiting of what's to come, and that's not a threat. It's not a threat if we're willing to be with it. And so our first reading is being, coming from um, Mary in Mary's, Mary's song. And I stumble upon this. I got to get this right, too. I got this from a, a blog entry from Laura Jean Truman, who is an Atlanta-based writer who writes on the in-betweenness of being queer, loving Jesus, and when she wrote um, uh, of loving Jesus and rediscovering the Bible from fundamentalism. And uh, I got her permission to tell this as well. She talked on um, showing up, this is in 2016, she showed up to her favorite artist, um, a pink concert. Right? And she is coming over the hill, she sees all the people, and she is offended by how many men are there. She is surprised by how many men are there. And she had this, like, she sat with this moment of, like, whoa, where is this coming from? And this is what she wrote. She said, the world was speaking so loudly about women that I simply echoed it back. The world was speaking so loudly about what a woman is and what a woman should be in my own existence her own existence as a woman was just reflecting it back. And she, and she tells of, like, it's so easy when you think of, oh, a, a female artist, a female author, a woman leader, leadership conference, um, a woman's pastoral care event, a woman's um, TV influencer, right? A woman's talk show. It's easy to think, oh, that's great for women. Wow, uh, that's really great. A lot of women are going to really benefit from that. But if I say... Um, there's going to happen, you don't have to say male, right? We don't say male pastor. We don't say a male pilot, right? We often say, oh, she's a female pilot. Um, but if you said this man is an author, influencer, a musician, an artist, uh, a, t a TV host, it automatically assumes that that human can speak to a universal needs of the human concern. Like gender is not even in that conversation. Why? Because this gender is speaking. This man is speaking. And she, she was reflecting of, like, why, why am I being told, as a woman, only women can experience this concert? And this is Mary's song. Because Mary does not, like, give some nice little, like, Christmas devotional for women. Mary doesn't just say, like, all right, ladies, let's just smile a little bit more this Christmas season, right? Mary rages into the night. 
when you frame it in a feminist perspective, which I think is so important that we read the Bible not just through our own lens, right? We, just, we do that um, automatically. When you can center other people's experiences about God, about the divine, it can help open the, the, what we call God to something so, so much more. And so um, this is Luke chapter 1, 46, 55. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For they have been mindful of the humble state of, of their servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is their name. Their mercy extends to those who fear them from generation to generation. They have, they have performed mighty deeds with their arm. They have scattered those who are poor, proud in their innermost thoughts. They have brought down rulers from their thrones, but have lifted up the humble. They have filled the hungry with good things, but has not sent the rich away empty. But has, important point there, but has sent the rich away empty. They have helped this, this servant, uh, Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and to descendants forever, just as they promised our ancestors. Mary's song is incredibly political. And that word we don't always like in church. Oh, I've, there's a lot of people in church that have not liked when I use the word political. Um, because we're like, ah, church or Christmas or Advent, it's just supposed to be cute and simple and like candles and carols and cappuccinos. It's just supposed to be, you know, really chill. Um, but here's the thing. We, we do this to celebrities. We do this to athletes, right? LeBron James, the amount of people I've seen like, hey, LeBron, stay in your lane. Right? You play basketball, and we pay you millions of dollars. Stay in your lane. If, if you have that feeling of, like, let's not be political, right? I don't, I, I, don't, I don't want politics in our school. I don't want politics, blah, blah, blah. That is a big red flag that you are benefiting the most from those politics, right? It is a big neon sign that when you say, well, I don't want to be political, means uh, intentionally or unintentionally. Like, I am benefiting the most from this. And so let's not talk about it because I feel uncomfortable. And really, uncomfortable means I don't want to lose power, right? And the people who speak up the most about um, politics are those who have been um, intentionally or unintentionally having the most consequences from that political system, right? And not just political party. I'm not talking about, like, if you're for this leader or this leader. I'm talking about politics that influence, like, our everyday lives. Like, the fact, um, now I'm preaching. I did not plan to do this, right? The fact that we had to make a law that just passed recently, securing federally marriages, all right, for queer people, and also, all right, for um, interracial marriages, right? Like, and there's a lot of, if you're on Twitter, and I follow a lot of um, uh, theologians, and they're like, hey, this is a celebration. Other people are like, you're going to hell. How can you believe this? You can see, right, that is a very important political thing that a lot of people who benefited from that system are now angry that other people get in. This is what it means to follow the Christ. This is what it means to be a Jesus-looking person that we radically include. And who gives this message, right? Who gives this song? The song says the system has benefited those up there, and we're going to dismantle this system, and it's going to come crashing down, Right? And in other translations, it says that God reached into the mud and lifted people out. 
it's 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 a sign of like there's this that this active energy that goes to not just like hey we got room for you if you want to get out of the mud come on in man pull yourself by the bootstraps just like the rest of us it talks about this arm coming down and picking them up and saying this is where you've always belonged and she is speaking of this kingdom of God. Not, she's not speaking of a salvation that gets you to some place and some time and some magical place. She's talking about salvation that is in their bones. It's in our tables. It's in our grounds. And she's saying the system that has benefited few, no longer, it's going to, it's now, if we're going to enter, it's going to benefit all. And it does not kick those up on high places out. What it says is you're welcome to join us. But we're saying everyone gets to play. Everybody is welcome. So here's my message and my invitation to you today. For those of you who have been told, just stay in your lane. Those of you told, just be quiet. For those of you who have a dream and someone at some point said, that's not how we do things around here. For those of you who have been like, begin to like raise up a little bit, raise your hand, only have that boss, that partner, that parent, that friend, right? Say, no, sit back down. For those of you who have been put in your place, is what they say, but they're doing it in love, I'm asking you, like Mary, to rage into that night. You have a story. You have a body. You have a dream. You have leadership. You have beauty. And no longer do you have to listen to those other people. No longer you get to tell, they don't get to tell you who you are. Howard Thurman, Dr. Howard Thurman wrote this. Don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. To me, is, that is a summation of what Jesus is saying salvation is. Moving as your fullest self. And when you do that, when you really believe that you can awaken to what you love, you can awaken to what, you, what I believe that God is inviting us to be, that's how we transform the world. And we don't need to wait for anyone else to do it or give us permission, or allow us to do it. God is saying, not just be it, but do it. Let's pray. So God, thank you for these kinds of words. That in the darkness is not bad. In the darkness, we can learn and we can grow. And so I pray for this dark season in December that we'll not just wait to survive to get through it. We won't just, like, shut it down and hide in our homes, <laughs> keep ourselves small in order just to survive when the sun comes out. But instead, we can awaken to what we love. We can awaken to our fullest selves. So, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would bring and inspire wisdom and moxie and rage for some of us. And so we can move with purpose and love and inclusion. And again, pray for my friends who have been told to stay in their lanes. People have been quieted. People have been told to sit down. I ask that you'd bring healing and you'd bring justice. And they would be able to shed that lie, shed that pain. They'd be able to throw it off they could stand up and be their fullest selves. We love you. Amen. All right. Well, thank you, friends, for joining us. If you would like to pray, process, or talk, um, I'll be here until the lights are off. Enjoy the rest of your weekend.